The world is rapidly changing, and Web3 is playing a huge part in the future that's to come. With blockchain and cryptocurrency making their way into the mainstream dialogue, adoption is on its way. And with that comes proliferation of NFTs, play-to-earn, decentralized social media, and the metaverse. Recently, I gave the closing keynote at the annual Social Media Marketing World event in San Diego. Speaking to an audience that wasn't savvy on these new technologies provided an exciting opportunity to provide them with an advantage in their businesses. Today, we'll share that advantage with you as we've got the entire audio of this keynote. Travis wasn't at the event, but he's here with me today to add his thoughts as well on this mostly Joel and a little bit of Travis episode number 599 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. A little bit of Travis in your show, but this one's mostly of Joel. <laughs> I just made there that you up. Go. That was good. That was very nice. Well, that was that was that was that was high speed. No, dude, for real. The closing keynote of social media marketing world. That's a pretty big honor. I've been to that event two or three times, and always, uh, you know, the, the the final speaker is always someone really amazing. But this year they had you. Yeah. So, you know, you can't win them all. It was a lot of fun. I'm grateful to Michael Stelzner, uh, who hosts the event and now also the crypto business podcast. And I tell you, since he went down the rabbit hole, he's like, Joel, check it out. I I minted these. I got this one. I'm going to flip this one. I'm going to keep this one. He is he is down that rabbit hole. Mike, I know you're listening. And I'll say this to those of you who are still skeptical and slow to pick up on this Web3 stuff. If Mike Stelzner, who is Who's the opposite, he is the most analytical, the slowest to move until he really has a grasp on something and knows that this is going to be a big deal. If he is now into NFTs and started a crypto business podcast and is putting on a crypto business event this fall in San Diego, if he's in it and you're not, then you're missing the boat. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in, in fact, I'll, I will be on the crypto business podcast on 4-4, I think when that one comes out or 4-1. I don't know. It's coming out here in the next next couple of days. So if you want a little bit more of Travis and uh, less of Joel, because there's actually zero Joel in that episode. Although he was, I think Joel was in the very first episode of crypto business. So if you haven't heard that, tune in to that. And with that, Here's a little bit more of Joel. He's been in internet marketing, social media marketing, live video marketing, all of that stuff since 1995. He is the co-host of the Bad Crypto Podcast with over 10 million downloads. He has minted. I had to check with him because it didn't seem, the number didn't seem real. But he's minted over 1.5 million NFTs. I'm going to say that one more time. He's minted over 1.5 million NFTs. Here to speak to us on the future of marketing and Web 3.0. Please join me in welcoming to the stage, Joel Com.
Well, how y'all doing? Wow. Uh, first of all, what a, what a pleasure and an honor to be photographed today by my friend Steve Hall. Our, give a hand for our professional photographer right here. An absolute thrill, good sir. Can't wait to see what you come up with here from this event. Now, Steve takes amazing pictures, but what I didn't know is that the founder of Social Media Marketing World and the Social Media Examiner is also an expert in photography. And so before we start, I want to give you a master class in how to take a great selfie with tips from Michael Stelzner. And I, I learned these the other night when we were at dinner with him and his lovely family. And you're going to want to take notes on this. This is important stuff. So number one. Carefully position your head in the center of the photo. <laughs> Number two, strategically place your hand in front of your wife's face. This will earn you all kinds of brownie points. And finally, you want to make sure the focus is in the right place. So make your teeth the focal point. Big smile. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for having me here. This is my eighth year at Social Media Marketing World. And you, my friend, are a good sport. Let's give a hand to Mike for putting on this incredible event. Yeah. All right, so you need to know going into this that I discovered I suffer from a syndrome, TMSS, too many slide syndrome. And that's because there's so much that I want to share with you today, and we have a little bit of time. But I want to help you see what the future of the world looks like so that as you go forward and create marketing for your brands and businesses, you will be early to the game. And I was thinking about the technology that's coming tomorrow, and I realized that if you want to seize the marketing opportunities today, you need to understand this technology that's coming. And, and then I thought, I said, wait a second, no, reverse that, because to seize tomorrow's marketing opportunities, you have to understand the technology that is with us today. And so the things that we're going to cover today, we're going to go very high level with blockchain, social web, NFTs, play-to-earn gaming, AR, VR, and the metaverse. And as I said, I want to tell you so much, and I've had the opportunity to meet with many of you already beforehand and answer questions. And is Tim Schmoyer in here? Tim, yeah, back there. So I, I got to sit down with Tim yesterday and, and uh, onboarded him with his first NFT, and I'm proud to say that I gifted him a kitty butt. That's an actual NFT. Trust me. Ask Tim. He'll show it to you. This is how much time we actually have. So I'm going to need you to listen fast because I'm going to give you a lot of rapid-fire content. What I'm going to share with you is the Wild West. If you were in the Internet early, like I was back in 1995 to 1998, it was the Wild West. If you were developing mobile apps 
In 2008 to 2010, it was the Wild West. If you were on social media, 2004 to 2007, Wild West. What I hope to accomplish today is to give you a toolbox that is going to allow you to then go and be the pioneers, to be the creators. And that's because we don't have a ton of use cases yet. You in this room and those of you listening at home, hi, I see you guys. How you doing? I'm Joel. What's your name? Oh, that guy. Those of you watching at home and seeing the stream and replay, you have an opportunity to use these tools to beat your competition to the punch. Yeah. I got an amen right there. So that's almost a <laughs> You're gonna be drinking from the fire hose. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, I'm gonna play a Leslie here right now. I said, are you ready? Yeah. All right, let's go after this. We're gonna start with Web 1, starting at around 1994, 1995, Web 1.0 was the static web. There were no sophisticated algorithms. It was not interactive. This was the era of image maps. If you don't know what that is, ask somebody who was online in that time. Highly centralized. And a simple way to put it, when you think about it, is Web 1.0, you read it. That's it, one way. Web 2.0 enters, and now what we've got are the social web. The world that we live in, it's interactive. It features user-generated content. We're not just reading, we're writing. It's highly centralized still, but you read it and you write it. Simple, simple enough. Here we are entering the Web 3.0 world. What does that look like? Well, first of all, there's a massive opportunity for decentralization, and I'm gonna explain why this is so very important. The Web3 is ubiquitous as we tie together devices on the Internet of Things, connectivity of all things. It is highly interactive. It is peer-to-peer, -peer, which does not require middlemen. And you could think of Web3 as you own it. Web1, you read it. Web2, you read it and you write it. Web3, you own it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I own it. You just owned it right there. This all hinges, for the most part, on the technology that you've heard about that's called blockchain. I believe that blockchain is the single most disruptive technology of our time. I have watched the advent of the web. I actually bought my first computer when I was 16 years old. I'm going to really date myself here. It was 1980. You do the math. And I saved money from working at the food court. It was a TRS-80 Model 1 with 4K of smoking hot RAM. Oh. No hard drive, no floppy drive, cassette player. You'd push play and type load. And it would load the program. And if you wanted to save it, you'd type save and hit play and record on the cassette player. Amazing stuff. And I was dialing in to what we called bulletin board services at 300 bits per second. <laughs> I saw that. I remember that as clear as day. That was revolutionary. And when I discovered blockchain and cryptocurrency and what would come from that, I said, holy cow, 
This is like the web becoming a thing all over again. This feels, tastes, looks, smells like that. And in 2017, I went deep down the rabbit hole and started the Bad Crypto Podcast with my co-host and friend, Travis Wright. Think of blockchain like this in a very simple, high-level definition. A more efficient, more effective, more accountable, and faster way to handle any kind of transaction or contract. That's as deep as we're going to go right now on blockchain. I'm not going to teach you how the blocks are added and how the code works because just like these things that we carry in our wallets, we go to buy something and we slip the card in there. Can anybody explain to me how these little chips on here work? I don't know. I just know somehow magically it does. And that's what's going to happen with blockchain. It's going to become ubiquitous and it's just going to work. We don't need to understand the intricacies of it. And as marketers, you definitely don't. Just know the technology is here, it is disruptive, and it is going to impact just about every vertical. I don't say every because there's always a few outliers that don't need blockchain, but whoever's doing business in here, the odds of your industry being impacted by blockchain is 99.98%. I can say that with exact mathification right there. It's coming. Now, a lot of people, when they think of blockchain, they think of cryptocurrency. They think of Bitcoin. They've heard of Ethereum, Litecoin, XRP. We're not going deep down that rabbit hole of what crypto is because what I want to do is focus on the technologies that are coming that are going to change the future. The thing you do need to know about cryptos and blockchain is that this is a battle for centralization versus decentralization. In centralization, you can see in the center, that's the central organization, whatever it is, and then everybody else depends on it. Those are the spokes coming off of it. In decentralization, there is no center middleman. There is no one creator that rules over the whole system. It is interdependent on all the participants in the system. Decentralization empowers people. Centralization empowers a few. Case in point, the world financial system, as we look at the banks, highly centralized. They determine the rules. Who loves going to the bank and paying $35 for a wire transfer? That's the old way. Governments, highly centralized, a few, make the rules for the rest of us. And as Mike set the stage for in his talk at the opening keynote yesterday, big tech, highly centralized to a place where it's becoming a pretty significant problem. In fact, if Dilbert says we have a problem, we have a problem. Well, here's a few headlines to illustrate the problem that we have. NSA is violating the rights of private American citizens by spying on them. This is not an isolated incident. You can go and read more about what's happening, but the government does spy on individual citizens. Some might say illegally. Salon had this headline about Google invading our privacy. It's serious stuff. 
Now, we don't always take it serious because we think, well, we're willing to give up a little bit of our privacy in exchange for what we're getting. But once you know just how deep this rabbit hole goes, you might think twice about that. The BBC News wrote about Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, the Facebook whistleblower that showed how they were selling you. You and 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 you know all of our data. If you're on Facebook, if you're on Instagram, if you're on WhatsApp, you are the product. We are commodities. And big tech strangles economic growth by keeping other players out of the game. Very monopolistic. This is what happens when you see decentralization. So when we look at this technology adoption curve, this is standard for any technology. I don't care if it's the rise of the internet, the microwave oven, CD or DVD players, mobile phones. In the beginning, two, two and a half percent of people are the pioneers that play with the technology. I'm always there. I'm the, one, I'm the nerdy kid that's like, what does this do? I need to try this out. Let's see what happens when I play with this toy. And then sometimes I find that there's something cool that happens and I keep playing with that toy. And then invariably people come to me and say, how did you do that? And I end up on stage here at Social Media Marketing World to tell you what that toy is like. And by the way, that's the real secret right there. Those who are curious and take risks and explore first, get there first and figure out how things work and then others want to know how they work. That's just a little side lesson. Apply that to whatever industry you're in. So in the technology adoption curve, which we're going to look at across all these different industries, in blockchain, how early are we? We're in the early adopter phase still. So if you're confused every time you hear a story in the media about blockchain, guess what? You're still early. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're still early. Aren't you glad to know that? Because it feels sometimes like you're so late. Oh, it's too late. No, the masses aren't anywhere near coming. But when they do, it's going to be fast and it's going to be furious. So I want to talk about social platforms and how they're going to change briefly. Over the past few years, I've seen a number of decentralized social platforms rise up. The old, because the old way with big tech, again, to review, these four men in particular divide people, sell your data, invade your privacy, and censor your speech. It's not up for debate. It's all demonstrable. Whether or not you think that's a good or bad thing is, is a question for yourself. But this is happening. And so the people who want to be empowered to own their data, to come together as, as, uh, as communities, to have their privacy, to be able to speak their minds freely, are looking for a new way. And that new way is owning your own data. It is monetizing your own data. It is maintaining your privacy, and it is having freedom of speech. You may all clap for that. In the past few years, I've seen a number of new decentralized social media sites rise up. So far, we've not yet seen one that has really caught on. It's coming. I've seen them come and go. I've seen others slow building. One of them is, is built by the decentralized social blockchain, deso.org, D-E-S-O, 
.org. They're building a blockchain that is designed to have scaled, decentralized social media systems. It looks something like this, just like you would expect a social site to look like. Only I own my content. I earn from my content. There's not an intermediary that's having to look at my content, censor my content, that somebody else is having to pay me. The system is designed on the blockchain to compensate me for real engagement. And this is the future of decentralized social media that will empower people. The only other site that I want to touch on right now, because it does look like it has legs as a viable YouTube alternative over the years, it's still very early, is called Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E. And what I like about this, besides owning my videos, because it's decentralized, I can't be deplatformed. They can't remove my videos from the system. They are hosted among so many different nodes, network of computers around the world, that it's impossible to take one of these down. And I earn the native cryptocurrency for Odyssey for views and engagement. One of my favorite parts is that if you go into your settings after you've set up an account, you can import your entire YouTube catalog, connect it to YouTube with the tools that Google gives you. I mean, they have to. All of the big social sites, by the way, did you know that you can access all of your data and download it? YouTube allows you, they have a connect, you pull it into Odyssey, it takes a few days and all of your content is there. And if for some reason YouTube says, eh, we don't want you anymore, we don't need you, we don't like you, you have bad breath, whatever, you, all your videos are backed up. So I've got over a thousand or so videos that are on Odyssey. So if anything happens with YouTube, <laughs> sorry Google. Twitter allows you to go in your settings and download your entire history. LinkedIn, same thing. Facebook, same thing. In fact, when you download your data from Facebook, it arrives to you in a zip file. When you unzip it, it is organized by groups, pages, personal, messenger, all in HTML with all of your texts, all of your photos, all of your connections. I'm waiting for somebody in the, the decentralized world to go, wait a second, what if we use Facebook Connect, connected it to our new decentralized system and just sucked in that data along with your whole history, your whole timeline, all of your connections. Can somebody please build this already? Can you build it? Do you, no, you can't, how about you? Somebody please build it. I think there's such an opportunity there for us to own our data in this way. Where are we with decentralized social media? Oh, gang, it's so early. We're still in the pioneer phase. We're still waiting for that solution to arrive that people, when they see it, will go, oh, I'm packing my bags and going over here. And it will happen. It will happen. Just like you've seen people pack up their bags from one platform to another, and they move, the new thing comes out, and all of a sudden, there they are. It will happen. We're just not there yet. Keep your eyes out for it and go on the internet and look for decentralized social media platforms. There's apps, there's websites. Let's move on. Augmented reality and virtual reality. This technology is already here. Many of you know about it from apps like Pokemon Go. I remember when that thing came out. It was a sensation. Uh, Aaron and I were out in the middle of the night, I think, like at midnight in Washington Park in Denver, and there's a ton of people, and we're all hunting down these stupid things. <laughs> but we don't own those stupid things. I mean, we do in the game, but you can't sell them. You don't own that. Pokemon people 
own that. There's an app out there right now that you can download that's called Vivi, V-E-V-E. And you can go in there. They have NFTs in there from major um, properties, DC, Marvel. They've got uh, Powerpuff Girls, a bunch of them. Well, I bought, when they went on sale, a Back to the Future DeLorean. This is a nod to my buddy, Pat Flynn. Pat, are you in here? Yay, Pat. When you own this NFT, you can go into augmented reality and you can enjoy it in the real world through your phone. Now check this out. This is the driveway, a house in Florida I was staying at while on our way to Puerto Rico for our permanent move. Let's make this DeLorean bigger. Let's make it, you know what, let's make it full size. Now I've got a full size freaking DeLorean in my driveway. I can pop the wings just by tapping them, and I can go inside this thing, and I can look at the flux capacitor. I can see that it is designed, patterned after the real Back to the Future DeLorean. Now, if I tried to sit, I'd end up on the, the pavement, obviously. <laughs> I show this off to people all the time on my phone. Like, we can go right outside here afterwards, and I can place, I can put a, um, a Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man that's as big as this building in the hallway in front of us, and, you know, and then we can walk around him. I own that. There's only a certain number of these, and they're trading for an awful lot on the marketplace. The demand for the NFTs that are being sold within this augmented reality app, they go in a second, literally a second. Now when I try to buy them, it's like, oh, they're all gone. That's how popular it is. Which leads us to NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Okay? It's non-fungible, not non-fungibles. Gerbils are always fun, especially this guy right here. I feel like he needs a name or something. When something is fungible, it means it's interchangeable or flexible. So, for example, if I go to Phil and say, Phil, do you have a dollar? And he opens his wallet, and there's a bunch of dollars in there. He's not going to say to me, which one do you want, Joel? Because I'd say all of them. No. Because they're all interchangeable. One dollar is one dollar. One Ethereum is one Ethereum. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. You can't separate them from one another. They're all the same. However, something non-fungible is a scarce digital asset, asset stored on the blockchain. NFTs are real-world proof of ownership of virtual goods. Each and every one of them is different. So, if you owned an NFT of a CryptoKitty, no two CryptoKitties are alike. If you had a ticket for a concert, we could be going to the same show, but if, if I've got the back row and you've got the front row, I'm really jealous of you, but they're not the same. They're both concert tickets for the same show, same night, same venue. We're going to eat the same crappy food that comes from the vendors there, which causes us to go and drink more of the crappy wine they have so we don't have to taste the crappy food. They're all unique. Every seat is different. Every home is different. And guess what? Each and every person in this room is non-fungible. Think about that. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're non-fungible. <laughs> Not a non-fungible. Non-fungible. Gosh. So what you hear, especially last year, what we're dubbing the year of the NFT, is the sensational stories from the media. It is hard to not have heard about Beeple, the artist, and his $69 million sale of an NFT, which took him a dozen years 
to create the artwork that went in it. It wasn't exactly an overnight success, but 69 million? That's a lot of moolah. You've also heard about the Bored Ape Yacht Club, why the media is putting their spotlight specifically on this and talking about it. This is how you know that you have passed the threshold from pioneer to early adopter in a technology. Because now the media latches on to sensational stories. That is always your cue. When you start hearing sensational stories repeated and parroted from mainstream, they want eyeballs and clicks and viewers and listens. They're going to go to the most sensational stories. You know you have jumped from pioneer to early adopter. Same thing with the crypto punks that were given away for free at the time. And I was in NFTs at the time, and I totally missed them. <laughs> Sad panda now sell for millions and millions of dollars and are legendary in the NFT world. And when you look at the amount of money that is circulating in the NFT space, OpenSea, which accounts for about 97% of the NFT volume in the marketplace, is valued at over $13 billion. And they've only been around a few years. Tell me this is not blowing up. Now, you always have people like this on the internet I call this guy a derp. He's a derp. I right click, save as, and now I own your NFT. I own your JPEG. It's okay. They are the mass adopters. They are the late adopters. They don't understand ownership. And let me put this in context for you for those who think, well, an NFT is just a picture, it's just a JPEG. This is the Louvre. Who's been there? Beautiful place to go. This is the Mona Lisa. Who's seen her? Yeah, she's behind this bulletproof case, and you can go in there and take a picture of her. Do you now own the Mona Lisa? No, you own a picture of the Mona Lisa. You get none of the value of owning it. Same thing with NFTs. Those pictures that somebody says, right-click, save as, now I own it. No, they don't. They don't own anything but a picture of the Mona Lisa. And with some of the NFTs I see these days, it's not even anywhere close to a Mona Lisa. So I like to envision NFTs as a mystery box. I thought about using the scene from Seven first. <laughs> What's in the box? I thought that might scare people away from NFTs. <laughs> so we went with this guy instead. What's in the mystery box of an NFT? Well. It can be digital goods. It can be real-world experiences. It can be a membership, access. It can be physical goods. In fact, it can be whatever your imagination as a creator decides that that NFT should be. You get to provide utility. Think of it as the ultimate loyalty card. Everybody's got some sort of loyalty membership, whether or not you're still carrying punch cards for buy nine sandwiches, get one free. Old school gray hairs might be doing that. Or whether it's on an app that they scan that you're building loyalty or an airline. These are all going to transition, as Mike said yesterday morning, to blockchain and to NFTs. In the future, your driver's license will be an NFT, proof that you own it. Your car title 
with the VIN number on it could be an NFT and it might look really super cool. You know, the Ford might decide, hey, let's make the NFTs that come with our vehicles really fun. Maybe there's motion, maybe there's video, maybe there's audio, maybe there's classic pictures. It's going to be whatever they want. Now that goes with the car. We just saw a piece of real estate for the first time sell a few weeks ago. I think it was $620,000. People bought the piece of real estate as an NFT. And with the NFT comes the house. This is the future. Everything is going to be tokenized. Everything that requires ownership will be tokenized. Are, are wheels starting to spin? No, that's what I want to know. I just want to know that the gears are clicking. I'm trying to give you a little, you know, grease there on the oil can to, to move things along a little bit. Now, there are other benefits to NFTs. This is the 1952 Mickey Mantle rookie card. Legendary in Major League Baseball because Topps over-manufactured them for the time and there wasn't enough sales and so they dumped tons of boxes into the river, literally. Well now, this card is extremely rare and this particular, uh, I think it was graded 8 out of 10, sold for $5.2 million a baseball card. Now, physical goods, all kinds of things can happen to them over time. You can have smoke damage, water damage, fire damage. You can fold it, spindle it, mutilate it. Your mom could throw it out. Sorry to use you as an example again and again, mom, but one day at school, two grocery bags of baseball cards from the 50s and 60s came home. I thought these were trash. <laughs> It happens. Everybody's been there. I love my mom. She's awesome. Or you might just lose them. Anybody ever lost anything? Where did I put that? You never see it again? I know where it is, by the way. It's with the socks. That's where everything goes. When Topps sold these packs of baseball cards or any cards, or when the Pokemon people, I don't know who runs them, but the Pokemon people sell cards or when the people who manufacture trolls with the long hair and then they're sold on the secondary market. If I want to sell one of those to you, you pay me, whether it's on eBay or you know, face to face or we meet each other at you know, a, a garage sale. The creators get nothing. Zip, zero, bupkis, donut, nothing. When that card, that Mickey Mantle card sells for $5.2 million, Tops is going, oh, we get none of that. The game changes with NFTs because now you can attach creator fees to your NFTs and every time it trades hands in the sale, the creator gets a piece. Anywhere from 5 to 10% usually is the full amount that you get. In perpetuity, every time it sells. Think about how this changes the music world. Somebody buys an album and they own that copy of that album. Maybe there's 500,000 of Taylor Swift's new album and, and I own one and now they're in demand and somebody wants to pay me more for that than I paid for it. Now I can sell that and Tay-Tay gets 10-10. <laughs> I just made that up. I'm glad it landed. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. That's how it works in perpetuity. Now. Uh, Leslie said that we had minted over one and a half million NFTs. That's true. In lockdown time, 
we got busy and created a set of NFTs called Blockchain Heroes that are a set of 50 heroes in an alternative universe that were inspired by real-world blockchain personalities. And so every one of these cards, people would buy a pack. Like you saw there in the beginning, they would open that pack, and out of that pack comes cards, these characters. And on the back of them, there's more. And some of them are super rare variations that are animated and have cool lighting effects. And there's a whole collector's market around this. Our first set of these, which was uh, 12,000 packs of cards sold out in 20 minutes because the audience understands the power that exists in ownership of these digital collectibles. We also created the world's first Kickstarter with an NFT. When people saw the NFTs we're creating and these heroes, well, I and my, my co-creators looked at them and thought, these are cool, wouldn't it be fun to have them as a physical deck of cards, just to hold them because we love the artwork. And then we went to our community and said, would you like to own these in physical cards just to collect them? And they were overwhelmingly, yeah. A week later, we had these two items up for sale as NFTs. And if you bought one, you could redeem it for the physical deck of cards once they were ready. So even before we released the digital cards, we did this Kickstarter and released the physical as Let's raise the money for this, go print the cards, and then fulfill them. And we had about 700 decks that we sold for between $35 and I think $85. Really cool. You're going to see a lot of this transition into physical goods with NFTs. Now, there's a design house called Artifact. It took me a while to figure out what is RTFKT. I'm kind of slow sometimes, not always the, the sharpest tack in the, the box. And Artifact is this design studio that started making NFTs that you could use as wearables in the metaverse. We're going to get to that in a little bit. And as they went forward, their designs got cooler, and they began working with bigger brands. There's an artist by the name of Fuocious who sells NFTs for a lot of money. That one on the left, I believe, is inspired by his work. Well, about a year and a half ago, I'm on the site called OpenSea, and I'm looking through the NFTs. Understanding that NFTs unlock experiences, I came across something called the MetaKey. I thought, this is really cool looking. And it said there with the, the metadata that this is going to unlock future experiences. Well, I understood that. I'm like, this is cool. They designed this really cool artwork. I didn't know who Artifact was. I just know that apparently they designed this key that was released by the MetaKey. I paid about, I don't know, $250 for this MetaKey. I could sell that same MetaKey for about $5,000 right now. But I'm not going to, and here's why. Artifact then announces that they're coming out with a series of profile pictures. When you see PFP on Twitter, that's profile picture. Now you can connect your Twitter to your wallet with your NFTs and have it's a, it's a hexagon instead of a circle. That's how you know it's somebody's NFT. And because I owned a MetaKey, I had the opportunity to mint, that is to create from the pool of 20,000 of these for about $400, a random Clonex, which I did. Just so happens the Clonex 
that I have is worth about $80,000. But it's just a JPEG. No, the community and the creators are giving it value. By having that Clonex, my wallet then received one of these, a space pod. What the heck is a space pod? Apparently, it's going to be something I use in the metaverse to store my Clonex and my other possessions and my things in this new digital world we're creating. I don't know, I just know it's cool. Like, I got a space pod. These things are selling now for about four or five grand each. I'm not selling mine. Good intuition. Why? Because of this. Nike, oh, let's back up there. Let's see that to its full, uh, here we go. Nike acquired Artifact. We're talking a big player coming into this space and saying, we love what you're doing. We see the future of collectibles here, and we want to be part of it. You guys are now part of the team. So shortly after this announcement, those of us who were holding a Clonex profile picture NFT were dropped one of these into our wallet. They knew who we were. Think of it like a loyalty program. Better than email, because email is undeliverable a lot of times. Better than social, because social doesn't get seen. But if you're holding an item in your wallet, if your customers are holding a membership card or any kind of NFT in their wallet, you know exactly who they are. And with a little technology magic, you can drop them whatever you want. This crate showed up, and look at it. It's got the Artifact logo, and it's got the Nike swoosh on it. This is the world's first Nike NFT. There's 20,000 of them. Nobody knows what's inside the darn box. <laughs> it's a mystery. And when we first had the box, there was no glowy blue. It's just the box spinning. And the community got busy solving puzzles. And once they solved some puzzles, the NFT evolved. Is actually audio. There's this crackling sound that goes with it, and it's spinning, and the community is speculating what's inside. And if you wanted to buy one of these unopened, unrevealed boxes on the marketplace right now, they're about thirteen to fourteen thousand dollars, because people are looking at it and going, "This is Nike's first NFT." Now, I am not giving you financial advice. I am not recommending that you go and buy anything, as Brian Fanzo said in his wonderful talk yesterday. Do your own damn research. And you need to, and Brian's got stickers of D-Y-O-D-R as well if you want one. Who was at Brian's session yesterday? Great. He did a great job, didn't he? Yeah, fantastic. And who was at Kathy's session this morning? Great. So we got some of you getting all metaverse with it. Nice. So I'm excited. I think that this is going to be revealed soon. I don't know what it's going to be. I am just gleeking all over the place. Out of, this is passion gleek coming out here. All of you know Gary Vee. Gary Vee has been on this stage. His business, his, his agency business has exploded, but he is also king of NFTs right now. There's no denying it. With his little doodles and his positive mental attitude, he has created Vee Friends. Vee Friends took two weeks to sell out initially, and everybody wishes that they had bought one because the value of them is insane. You cannot get one now for less than $37,000. That's for bottom of the line one. And he made $55 million in sales of the initial launch of the 10,250 NFTs. And on the secondary market, 
45,000 Ethereum. What is that in real money? $121 million, of which Gary gets 10%. And every time they trade hands, he's earning more revenue. Okay, I'm going to pick up the pace here a little bit. Is this, is this helpful for you guys? You get, okay, we're getting there. I so badly want to tell you who this is. And we're just days away. I've been working for months with one of the biggest names in Hollywood. A film actor that if I put the picture up, you would immediately go, what? And I wanted to show you and they told me I couldn't yet. Because it hasn't been publicly announced and it will a few, in a few days. So follow me and you'll see because I'm going to post a picture of me with a celebrity when it happens. We're launching an NFT series for them that is going to be mind-blowing. I can't wait. Where are we with NFTs? Early adoption still. Right here. Early adoption. All right. My clock is ticking. I'm going to speed up the pace here for a moment. Play-to-earn games are an integral part of what's coming. And in a game like Fortnite... You can buy skins. Everybody's kids play Fortnite. You can buy these skins with real-world money, use them in the game, and that's all you can do. You can't sell them. But the play-to-earn economy is coming where games like Axie Infinity, for example, that has helped the people in the Philippines, during COVID especially, make a better living than they were making from the jobs they couldn't go to. There are Axie farms where they have all of these tablets and phones and they're making money with this play-to-earn game. A game like Splinterlands that looks like a traditional card game, a digital card game, but instead they have tournaments where people are earning real money for playing and winning these tournaments. Cryptocurrency, NFTs, it's all on blockchain. And we even have massively multiplayer online role-playing games coming into the space. Vulcanverse is doing some amazing things. Each of those squares that you see is a plot of land that can be owned and you can build on it. It's actually built out a lot more now. This has taken a few months ago, but it's really taken off since then. Uh, there are game studios that will one day be the equivalent of Activision, EA, uh, Epic Games. Gala Games is one of them. Own your own gameplay with, with uh, survival games, card and strategy games. This one is called Townstar, and it was created by one of the founders of Farmville. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and embarrass yourself, but who played Farmville? Good. Only you're earning real money playing real cryptocurrency that can be spent in the game or sold on an exchange for cold hard cash. Where are we in the play to earn ecosystem? Right here, early, tell your kids. I kid you not, because when we cross this threshold from innovators, pioneers, to early adopters of gaming, what's going to happen? The media is going to start telling the world that they discovered a 14-year-old that is making half a million dollars a year with play-to-earn gaming, making more than their parents and their teachers. And you're going to hear that story again and again and again. If your kids like playing games, why not them? Time to go down the rabbit hole. Finally, we're going to touch on the metaverse lightly because uh, Kathy covered it wonderfully this morning. When we talk about metaverses, we're talking about these virtual worlds. Many people already play in virtual worlds 
that are centralized, that are not on blockchain. Minecraft, 141 million active users around the world. Roblox, 202 million monthly players worldwide. Playing the game in this virtual world, building, designing, having fun, not earning a thing for their time, for their creations. That all changes with the metaverse. Now, Facebook very strategically renamed themselves Meta in order to capture mind share of the people that they are the metaverse. They are not the metaverse. And God willing, they will never be the metaverse. I'm, I'm almost gonna preach. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. That's up to you guys though. That's up to, to you guys of what site you use. Personally, I have been off Facebook since a year ago, January. And I'll just speak for myself. I am happier. Enough said. We must not let Facebook monopolize. There are other solutions. Somnium Space is one of them that's building in virtual reality. I mean, it's cool looking stuff where you could buy land that you own and you can build on it. And for business people, you're going to be building your marketplaces in VR. They're going to come to your storage just like you've seen in the movies. Only hopefully without the dystopian, you know, uh, notations that come with many of the movies we've seen about the future. But there's opportunity. I mean, these look cool. I've been in these. Another one is called Crypto Voxels. Imagine a Minecraft type thing where you've got these squares. And this is the map of the whole Crypto Voxels universe. And if you zoom in, you'll see right there the Republic of Bad Cryptopia which is what we like to call our fictional podcast universe in our audience. And you can visit it. You can go, this is the land, built it out. There's uh, the bouncers, Travis and Joel, at the front of this place. And you can come on in, belly up to the bar, listen to some tracks, click on the iTunes or Spotify to subscribe. It's just a place to visit in the metaverse. We could have meetings there. We could have discussions there. We could tell, give people a URL that when they type it in their browser, it takes them directly there. It's a lot of fun. This is still primitive and early. Decentraland, another name you're going to hear about with virtual worlds. The Sandbox, a lot of big brands are coming into this space. Remember the name Animoca Brands. Yatsu is an absolute genius of a CEO, and they are acquiring properties left and right and building out on them. You'll own land in the metaverse. You'll find your place on the map. You could see some of the big brands, Walking Dead, Atari. They're, they're acquiring their land because there's a finite amount of land there. And when that land is sold out, guess what happens to the property values of them as there's demand? I bought four little squares um, probably two years ago for about $200 each. They're probably worth about five grand each right now because you can't just get them. You have to get them on the secondary market. And we're seeing names like Snoop Dogg. I bought one of his uh, Sandbox Snoop Dogg VIP passes. There's only a thousand of them, and I guess it's going to get me entry into his world in the metaverse on Sandbox in the future. I don't know. I like taking risks. I like playing with the games. We'll see. I'm not even a Snoop fan. I was just like, this is cool. I got to have one. Lots of big brands are making big moves in the space. These are just a handful of the names that are playing with NFTs, metaverse, play to earn. Where are we on the metaverse? Oh my gosh, we're so early. We are ridiculously early. 
what we're seeing is a convergence of these technologies. There is overlap between NFTs and play to earn and the metaverse. They're all going to come together and they're going to be tied to the social web, the new decentralized social web. In what ways? We're not sure yet. There are some in this room who may create those on-ramps in those ways. I don't know. All I know is this. Roll credits. Come on down the rabbit hole with us. We've got three podcasts. The Bad Crypto Podcast with myself and Travis Wright. You can go to badcryptopodcast.com. We're coming up on our five-year anniversary in July. And uh, crypto's not bad. We are, because we tell bad dad jokes on stage. Surprise, shocker. Uh, the Nifty Show is the world's first NFT podcast. Almost two years old, hosted by myself, Travis, and my son, Zach who is also an NFT genius, came up with a game of his own and did a half a million dollars in NFT sales in one day a few months ago. Yeah, pl applaud for Zach. He's amazing. Both of my kids are great, but Zach's doing NFTs. And finally, as an offshoot of these shows, uh, producer Aaron, who produces both of these shows, also happens to be my lovely girlfriend with our cute little dog Rufus here in the front row. Uh, she and a friend in, in Puerto Rico, where we now live, started a show about NFTs for women, by women. It's called the Nifty Chicks, niftychicks.io. Go subscribe there. And uh, hope this has been helpful for everybody. I am going to be outside answering questions when this is all done. We're not done yet. Thank you very much. Is that enough me, Travis? That, I don't know. Was there any me in the in the presentation? You were mentioned. I said. I, I said. Was mentioned. Your name. Yeah, I was mentioned. Woo yeah. Gave you gave you a shout out. Now I have the video of the presentation as well, but due to contractual obligations, uh, it's not until after sixty days after the event that I can post the video. Of course, there are some really interesting visuals as I had something like 108 slides in there. So uh, we'll let you guys know when that is up so that you can go enjoy it a second time and see the visuals and the very cool um, sports coat, the jacket that I bought just for that event because I got more compliments on the jacket than I did my talk, pretty sure. Very nice, very <laughs> nice. And, and uh, it was good. It was good to sort of brainstorm with you on 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 your slide deck before you went up there. There's a little bit of Travisification yeah. up in there. You helped me fine tune slide that. Deck. And and you uh, have been in Mexico for what, six weeks now? About five or six weeks. Five, yeah. six weeks. And you gave a talk in Tulum. What was that talk all about? Well, the talk in Tulum is, so the, the, the people in Tulum are really interesting. A lot of people are expats. A lot of them are really sort of, you know, spiritual and even somewhat hippie, I would say. There's a really cool spiritual vibe there with the folks there in Tulum. And uh, so I gave a presentation on really the history of the corruption of the world and where we are now and why we're near the end of the paper dollar scenario, how we got there, how it took, you know, hundreds of years to wrestle away power from the king and the church, but then how the bankers got it, how, you know, fractional reserve, fractional reserve banking, and then talking about how screwed up things are. And then talked about some of, of some solutions on what I'm working on with this ancient wisdom.io project to uh, 
it's not it's, it's, it's sort of a an, um, a Trojan horse in a way to identify some of the people in the world who can maybe help unfuck the world a bit. And, uh, and so it's a call out to people who are out there trying to do really good stuff. Uh, I've assembled a great team with Ancient Wisdom, uh, yourself as, as an advisor on that, but really putting some some effort in and a lot of money I put in for the artwork. But then the, the, the tokenomics, I think the tokenomics and the DAO with this thing could be really cool. So I talked a little bit more about that, which I don't believe we've covered really on Bad Crypto. We did do some nifty show stuff. So if people want to know what I'm up to, I think we could maybe post that. But beware there could be some screeching rees in there thing oh my god it's it's like it's a full-on travis rant for like 30 minutes i think that we might have to play that so let let's keep that i i also think we need to update we are the world you know have quincy jones do a new version of it unfuck the world unfuck the children screw the bankers <laughs> you crazy psychos who are in power decentralization yeah <laughs> Hey, we'd love to hear from you guys. Our next episode is number 600. And we're going to just kind of do a a walk down memory lane. We're going to talk about some past podcasts. We might talk about some current news. And we want to hear from you. If you want to make your voice heard, then we need you to call us right away. Like right after this episode, here's the phone number for the Bad Crypto Hotline. It's open 24-7. Don't be shy. 708-885-9030. 708-885-9030. Call us, leave a voicemail. Tell us your favorite episode. Tell us when you started listening. Wish us a, a happy episode 600. Uh, maybe share with us your favorite you know, coin or who you'd like for us to have on the show. Tell us a bad joke, whatever. We, we just want to hear from you. So call us 708-885-9030. And if you're shy and don't want to share your voice, you can email us. This is really difficult. Copy this down. Uh, tattoo it on your arm bad crypto podcast at gmail.com send us an email say whatever you want to say we're here we're eager to hear from you and uh, the next episode is just going to be a a fun uh, hey travis good job on 600 hey joel good job let's let's mm-hmm. uh do some things that'd be great and actually i will be at nft la this week and uh, i'm going to be up on dude, I, my spot check out my spot at nft la bro uh, first, Tom Bill U comes on, does his thing. I come on. Uh, I'm in. A, I'm in like one of the coolest panels and the whole thing. And then Steve Aoki comes on oh, and does man. his music thing. It's like, like a I'm Travis literally Witch. slotted right in there with the uh, with the top. And I'm not moderating it. I'm on the panel talking about yeah. how badass. It You're like the the little white cream in the Oreo cookie between these two great you know speakers. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like I'm like uh, the, the 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 Dijon mustard on your club sandwich. Pardon me. Do you have any gray poupon? Did you just poupon the floor? <laughs> what? So yeah, Everybody. so I'm doing that. And then um, what's really cool is uh, the guy who runs uh, Edge of NFT podcast. I guess was influenced by us with mm-hmm. Nifty Show, and uh, and so he's like, dude, I gotta have you or Joel, one of you or both of you, to the thing, and. He's like made me a VIP and invited me to this creators thing at this at this gallery venue where there's only like, I guess, 50 of the top creators in the NFT space and Web3 that's doing awesome stuff. So I should be able to make some pretty great connections and uh, tell you all about it. And probably I'll be doing some TikToks along the way because I've been picking that up. So if you are on the TikTok, uh, the.nft.agency, uh, follow that. You'll see a lot of Travis talking about 
cryptos and mostly NFTs over there. And in my mission to find the very best promoters of NFTs out in the space, that way, whenever we're working on any projects, we got some good voice out there. So thanks again, everyone, for everything. I I can tell you who the worst promoters are, right? If you post on Twitter anything about NFTs, there are these uh, bot accounts that no matter what you say, they'll say promoted on my shitty service and people follow them. They've got, I don't know if they're buying followers or whatever, but they are, first of all, they're violating Twitter's terms of service and you should report them when you see them and you say spam. And then, and then you select uses reply feature to spam. And I think Twitter blocks those and and call them out. A lot of times I'm not even talking about NFTs, but because I have NFT as uh, as a hashtag in my bio. Right. Right. They do it on Twitter. They do it on Instagram. Who knows where else? They are the scourge. Uh, apart yeah. from the criminals who scam people in rug pull, they are the worst and they should not be supported. They should be shamed publicly and uh, have all their NFTs burned in a fire. That's burned that's in a fire. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we'll see you at NFT LA. I will. I might actually. I'm also um, speaking at NFT Con in Miami on the 4th of April. So if you're at that, that is before the shitcon conference over there with uh, the BOSAC has. And oh, I think there's another conference, Bitcoin, something going on there, too. I'm not sure. Um, but I might get a pass for that. I haven't haven't got that locked down yet. Trying to figure that out. We weren't invited to that. I don't think they like us. They, we, they, did we, they don't like us? I don't think so. Don't like I don't know. Because we're bad. I guess so. And we tell well, I guess we're jokes. just going to keep on staying bad, right? Yeah. At least that's what we tell our people to do. All right. Well, ah, 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 ah. Going to stay bad. Going to stay bad. Ah, 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 ah. Stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.